You are Locked On Women's Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Megdahl, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter at both Locked On WBB and, of course, follow our coverage 24-7 at the Summit, Summit Hoops, two T's in honor of Pat. Uh, where you can read, listen, and watch everything there is to know about the world of women's basketball. And certainly a theme we keep coming back to is the fascinating University of Texas team. So really happy to have head coach Karen Aston here to chat about her team. Karen, thanks for taking the time. Oh, you bet. Good morning. Good morning. Let's start by talking a little bit about LaShawn Higgs, if we can. And, you know, her defensive versatility has been evident from day one, but we've seen this real uptick, uh, both in her overall efficiency and uh, how often you seem to go to her and call her number late in games. I'm curious what we're not seeing uh, just inside the program that's making her this good this year. I think it's it's sort of hard sometimes to see maturation and growth uh, from a mental perspective. And I think with LaShawn, that's probably the biggest leap that she's taken is just growing up. You know, I mean, last year she, just, she was almost there, but there were still mm-hmm. times that when something went wrong, she sort of, got down on herself, shut down a little bit, and she's been able just through the summer and the spring after season was over to, you know, to sort of take a step back and review what is it that I need to do to be better. And, you know, she addressed, in my opinion, both of the things that I thought would turn her into the elite player that she's capable of being, which is the mental aspect and then improving her three-point shot. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody knows LaShawn has speed and quickness and penetrating ability, but her ability to uh, add the three-point shot to her game enough that people need to respect it has changed the dynamic for her. And, I mean, that seems and so vital team. That seems so vital for the offense that you run, where essentially everyone needs to be a threat and everyone is a threat on someone who needs to be run off the three-point line. Are there particular ways where you know that somebody gets it, or is it just you've got to see them? Because there are people who you know, talk about it all the time who they can make the long-distance shots and practices, and they can they can do it on their own uh, and shoot around, and then they get into the game, and it's not the same thing. But she's jumped from, I think she was 21% last year, and I know she's up over 33 so far for you this year. Yeah. Well, I think, first of all, you do see – most times you see what happens in practice transpire in the games and it doesn't really on most occasions it doesn't work different than that and again I go back to the mental aspect for her where the things that were happening in games were also happening in practice she would get frustrated down in practice and just sort of shut down and because she's overcome that side of the game you know her confidence is is much higher Hmm. I also think players develop confidence from work and she she really put in a lot of work with her three-point shot this summer I mean it's most players get confidence from work Uh, that's the best way I know to put it and you can't really get around the work and I think that you know it was good for her that 
she was able to hit shots early in the season where she saw her work pay off. And so now I think their confidence level that, you know, it's probably not going to go away at this point. I mean, there'll be ebbs and flows in her shooting and those, those kinds of things, which there are for all players. But I do think that she realizes that the work has paid off. Do you think it's fair to say, and and we'll get into this a little more because you don't have that prototypical number one scorer, but down the stretch in games, and you, and you saw this against OK State, is Hidge the one you are thinking of first in a sort of first among equal sense when it comes to who you're calling uh, the number four in a key spot offensively? Well, not necessarily. I, I think that as you've gotten into conference play, obviously teams know us a lot better and they know our personnel and they understand how to defend us a little differently than maybe a non-conference opponent. Mm-hmm. And what I've what I've seen in the last couple of games is that she has been the one that has some driving lanes and has some ability to get her shot off simply because of the way maybe people are playing Brooke and Ariel. So... Right. I wouldn't say that she's necessarily the go-to player. I think it's one of the we have enough players that you know you're sort of looking for matchups when you get into conference play, and you're looking for scenarios that maybe are even working in that game. And Oklahoma State was a perfect example of just Lashawn was working in that game, and she was making really good decisions. And that's the other piece to her game that's gotten better. I think when you're young. You think you have to score to impact the game. And as she's grown and matured, her decision-making has gotten better, and she lets the game come to her. And if she has a shot, she takes it. If she has a kick out or a post-feed, she's doing that. So I would say that she's let the game slow down for her, and that enables her to make good decisions. But I, I, think, that, I think the go-to situation will happen differently on, on any given night. And what, that's another thing that I just love about watching your teams just from the offensive uh, perspective, which is that, like you said, it's that decision-making. So making those passes, you know, out of the wing or, or out of the post in the case of Jatari White or, you know, anyone, it leads to these assist percentages where, uh, you know, Brooke McCarty being your primary playmaker, she is not the only one with an assist percentage north of 15%. You have uh, a handful of players in your rotation who are doing it. And so that, you know, that's just the clear evidence of that. But McCarty, in some fundamental ways that go beyond the the raw statistics uh, in in a way that is part uh, to do with your system, which uh, you know, was significant and, and partially just to do with the fact that she can do so many different things. She's drawing a lot of attention even at the next level. And so I kind of want to get into that and start there where you talk about matchups. And in LaShawn Hibbs' case, you have uh, an issue where her athleticism and her size create matchup scenarios that are a problem. Well, you would think the opposite with Brooke given her size, but it doesn't pan out that way. It doesn't pan out that way defensively, and it doesn't keep her from getting to the hoop to the point that I've spoken to a number of WNBA talent evaluators, all of whom expect her to be drafted, and I think she has a real good chance to have a future in the league. So what is it about Brooke that allows her to have that separation uh, despite her size? I think it's her 
there's a couple of things. I mean, first and foremost, her her ability to shoot the three, as I said about LaShawn, mm-hmm. changes the game for her. She would be played differently if she didn't have range and if she wasn't so effective from the three-point line, which at that size you have to be. And it opens up lanes for her to her off the line on ball screens. So it's um, – that's that's the first thing for Brooke is that she's very effective and very consistent with her three-point shot. And then, you know, I would say one of the things that is a benefit for her, and, I mean, this sounds very elementary and fundamental, but she can go both ways. And I, mm-hmm. I think that when you talk about guards, I mean, there's always this effectiveness that's different if if you can't send a guard in one direction and keep them over there. And... Brooke's ability to go left or go right, change speeds, uh, gives her that craftiness that she desperately needs. Um, and then I think the third piece is just the gym rat in her. I mean, you know, the shots that she creates and the shots that she comes up with, I mean, you know, she, she must have dreamed those up in a backyard somewhere because <laughs> some of them aren't fundamental and normal you know they're just shots that she has learned to create along the years because of her size Uh, do you think that's overstated the the question of size i I remember this was even a question for mariah jefferson a couple years ago i'm hearing it about jordan canada now out at ucla as well uh the ability like you said uh to go left and go right and the ability to hit the three it seems like that matters a whole lot more when it comes to effectiveness at the position than whether you're say five nine instead of five six well no question i mean you know at our level and i'm i'm sure at the next level tendencies are one of the biggest things that are played uh, along with matchups i mean it becomes who can stop who from doing what they do best and I think that any good guard at some point in their career, you know, they they try to work on their ten, you know, on their weaknesses and I think that as the years have gone along, Brooke has tried to, you know, create better range for herself so that people have to run her off a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Um I think her passing and her creating has gotten better and I would say that if there's one thing that has elevated her in the last couple of years. It's been her ability to understand that she doesn't always have to score. I mean, when she was in high school, she she scored all the time. And I think it took her a while to understand you impact the game by the assist also. And I don't mean that negatively at all. I just think that's an evolution for a scoring point guard. Right. Right. No, it, it makes sense. And also to have the personnel... It, last year into this year, but it feels like even more so this year, uh, it seems like it's tailor-made for her to get positive reinforcement for that lesson. Is that how you see it as well? Most definitely. I mean, I think we have people that are running the floor. We have more numbers. Yeah. Um, you know, she has she has people that she can pitch ahead to, and they create things. So there's there's no question that we probably have a little more balance this year. Mm-hmm. And so I want to talk about that as your identity, because when when you think about the teams 
that make Final Fours, and you think about the teams that win national championships, they're really a calling card, you know, and, and whether it's on the offensive end or whether it's specifically on the defensive end, or they just are monsters on the board. They're especially effective rim protectors. And so I, I, I always love watching your teams, but I've been sort of puzzling over what it is, what is the calling card that makes this team a threat to win, which I absolutely believe you are. And ultimately, when you look at the numbers, Effective field goal percentage is probably the best way uh, to express it, uh, and that you guys are top 20 uh, and getting the kinds of looks that I don't think you see from other teams. I wonder if, do you think that is the ultimate edge that you can bring forward? Not to ignore the rest of, uh, you know, of, of the aspects of the games that you're emphasizing, but that that can be uh, sort of a difference maker for this Texas team. I think it can be. I, I, I think that you have to have a threat at every position. You know, there's no question about that. And I, I think that as we move along here in the next month or two, I hope that we improve and I hope that we become even more of a threat in different ways. Uh, I, I think there's no question that everybody thinks that our guards are a threat offensively, uh, but I still think there's a lot of growth that, that – we can do. I think we can shoot the three better than we are right now. Mm -hmm. I do think that the forward position and I guess post play in general is going to continue to improve. I think one thing that it sort of caught me off guard when we first started season and I mean obviously we're we're deep into it now and people have more experience but I think one thing that is still a factor with our team is that our front court is fairly young from an experience perspective. So, I mean, even though Jatari White is older, it's her first year in the league. And it's her first year to play against all of these players that she's seeing every night. And then everybody we bring off the bench is inexperienced. Um, so I, I do think that we can continue to improve and be more balanced uh, than we are right now. And I think as we go along, that will hopefully benefit us in postseason play and down the stretch in Big 12 play. So to that end, you know, you recently get Joyner Holmes back, uh, who did so many things and impressed so many people. Uh, people just gush about her uh, when you talk about Texas uh, around the country. So having her back, it's obviously, you know, a situation where you're working her in slowly, uh, only averaging nine minutes a game over her first two back. What is the plan uh, in your mind for her? And what is what is it you think she can and should be for you over the duration of this season? Well, as we go along, I do think that she can be a difference maker because she has size and strength and versatility. You know, I, I think that one thing that's different for Joyner than when she was here last year, and I think it, it's actually, I mean, it's going to make her better, but there is, you know, a little more depth at that position and a little more versatility. So I think as we go along, it's actually going to benefit her because, you know, she's going to have to really amp it up in practice and her habits will, I think, continue to improve. I just think the thing with Joyner right now is that she doesn't have that timing with her team and, mm -hmm. and the feel of the game. And she's a feel player. I mean, I, you know, that's what I loved about her when I recruited her is that 
she has great feel for the game, and I think that's going to take a good month or so for her to get a feel of our offense, a feel of her teammates. I mean, we have new teammates. To, you know, the the front court she played with last year is not, you know, I mean, she, Audrey was here, but Jatari's new. Um, I just think that it's going to take her a while, but, I mean, her her ability to make plays in her, I mean, as you saw the other night against Oklahoma State, she immediately gets in the game and gets a putback. Right. I mean, she has rebounding instincts, and she has she has basketball instincts. So, as we go along, there's no question that we could become stronger and better as Joyner improves. And, and so, in a lot of ways, just her size and and even her rim protection, quite frankly, seems like uh, those are a couple of uh, added areas that I you would say statistically, at least, are. Uh, a missing piece for you right now is that sort of how you how you see what she needs to be for you as well i i, I think so i think we are missing some scoring from the power forward position mm-hmm. I, I do not want to take anything away from Adrienne goudreau who has has been really uh just a workhorse for our team and her detail uh defensively and her ability to do the little things I cannot be overshadowed at all. I'm not sure we. I, I know that we wouldn't be where we are right now without Audrey, and I don't want to discount her ability, or Jordan's, or Rella's. But I do think that. I do think that Joiner, is a different type of a player, and and will add a different dimension to our team when she gets comfortable. Yeah, it, it shouldn't she be has really... a scoring dimension that we don't necessarily have. And, and again presumably with even more space just given the extra number of stores you have to be able to space the floor uh, around her. It's going to be fascinating uh, to see that work uh, take place over the coming weeks. Uh, but you don't have the luxury of waiting that extra period of time before you get uh, a real test coming up on January 15th uh, of the non-conference variety, which is not to take anything away from the difficult Big 12 games uh, that you face. But it is striking to me, if you sort of think of Texas in a narrative way that I do, that you probably don't have the luxury of doing, but uh, I I spend a lot of my free time thinking about your program. And so I remember, obviously, the losses, as you do to UConn, uh, that ended uh, a couple of your seasons. This is a different moment in time to be able to get uh, the chance to measure yourselves against UConn. I'm wondering what you see as sort of the pros and cons of being able to do it in January instead of March. Um, I think that it was good for us to play them last year. Uh, and again, it wasn't during conference play. And I mean, it may not be the most opportune time for us. We are in the middle of conference play. But I do think that it was good for our team because when you play when you play a competitive team like UConn is that competes on every possession and has so much versatility and scoring ability and, you know, they they make you uncomfortable defensively, then I do think that no matter what time you play them, they make you better Mm -hmm. and And, uh, they help you. You played them early last year, right, if memory serves? Yeah, yeah, we did. We did. We did. We played them uh, up in the Mohegan early. Right, okay. But it was still a good, you know, it was still good for our team. I mean, I in this situation, I mean, we are very focused on conference play. I do have to say that. And, I mean, 
you know, we go to Kansas State on Sunday, and they just upset West Virginia on their home court. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to talk about UConn right now because we have two teams that we play in front of them that, you know, they're they're good teams. They're teams that very easily we could slip up on if we're not ready to play. And so it's very difficult for me to put my mind around that game right now other than I do think that playing them – at any point in the season, possibly could give you um, a little more. I mean, it's hard to say very much more, but it w- it could give you a little bit more comfort, so to say, and understanding of the way they play mm-hmm. if you were to see them in postseason. And, and, and notwithstanding, if you see them in the postseason, but then elite to know where you are relative to. The elite group of teams, I think, are you know part of the national title conversation. Uh, I would think it would also give you sort of that that broader view of your team. Or do you feel like you have a handle on that uh, already, as far as what this team can be? I, I think I definitely know what this team can be. I think it's really important that you know they stay very focused on the daily work that needs to be done. Uh, I thought last year we got a little bit ahead of ourselves, and I think this team has done a better job of playing in the moment. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, when when the UConn game comes around, I do think that it's a good game for us to play from a fan perspective. I mean, we're still working on our fan base. We're still trying to get to the place that they are. And I think that, the fans will enjoy the game, but what I learned from last year doesn't have anything to do with UConn. It actually has to do with the Florida State game that we played uh, in conference play, out of conference. Um, I thought we expended a lot of energy, you know, because we really wanted to win that game. It was a good game for our RPI. It was a good game. It was on national television. And I thought that we we expended a lot of energy mentally, physically, um, to win that game and didn't exactly reset for our next conference game. And I think that we learned a lesson from that. So regardless of what happens against UConn, we have to, we have to play our two games before we play them, and then we have a long conference stretch after that. And we have to handle that better. Regardless of what happens in the UConn, we have to handle that better because we didn't handle it very well last year. Yeah, I mean, you, you got Baylor coming up uh, of 10 days after that, of course, and uh, got to go to West Virginia on February 5th, not to mention uh, many other tests in between. The the Big 12, as I don't have to tell you, is, is unforgiving. I, I, I guess I wonder when you express that goal and your set of goals to your team and how you think about it yourself, What what is that goal for this season? When when you're talking to your team about it and when you're thinking about it yourself, you know, obviously you've had success at this program already and, and had it pretty quickly uh, in terms of what you've been able to do here. Is the Final Four part of that express goal internally and in your mind, or uh, is there some other way that you think about how you get to where you want to go? I do think that if you're at a program like the University of Texas, then that has to be your ultimate goal every year. Mm -hmm. And if it's not, then I'm not sure what you're doing here. But I also think that 
to get to that place, you have to be really consistently good every day and every night. And I'm not sure that we've learned how to be that yet. So one of the things that we've really focused on this year was to try to just stay in the moment and how do we be our best every day? How do we continue to improve? How do we stay away from highs and lows? Um, you know, those are the things that I think really, really good teams and teams that win championships, I mean, they're probably very driven every day. They don't take days off. They don't take games off. Um, and I think our, our, our program and our team has to learn that that's the next step. I mean, when you see these guys that continually win conference championships and go to the Final Four, I mean, they're definitely – it's a learned process, I'm sure, but I think they definitely understand what it means to perform at a high level every day. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's really, the, I think, something that we're striving for. That's the next evolution. Well, it will be fascinating to see how you get there. I, I certainly uh, wouldn't, wouldn't bet against it and would urge uh, all of our listeners to uh, make sure you check out Texas every chance you can. Four different players have already led the team in scoring in different games this year. And they are just uh, a tremendous, uh, a tremendous watch. Uh, Karen Aston, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you. Hook them horns. And just a reminder to our listeners that you should go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes or your podcast listen of choice. Make sure the more reviews we get, the more people are hearing about the world of women's basketball. I'm Howard Meddahl wishing you a wonderful day.